Hello and welcome back to the Sports Babble podcast or the Sports Babble little clips that we put up on our social medias. Still haven't really got a name for them. No, we probably should do that. Yeah, we'll do that. Or if you have one for us or a thing, fire it into us, like on the, the, the email at thesportsbabble at gmail.com or on the social media feeds at the Sports Babble. Um, the world of football is still still flying on. It doesn't seem to stop anymore this season. Never does. Uh, start, it's really not for us, us nerds that want to watch everything. Um, the Diego Maradona film was released this week uh, <laughs> and I went to see it last night so I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the Women's World Cup still ongoing. England have just scored against Japan uh, in their final group game. They're 1-0 up. Um, there have been... Alan White. Alan White, there you go. There have been some potential transfers, oh. rumoured, uh, that we're going to chat about. And there's also some potential movement for the vacant Chelsea job, mm-hmm. which excites Brendan quite a lot. Um, we'll start with the Diego Maradona film, because it's still fresh in my head, and I went to see it last night, I know Brent wants to go and see it. I don't want to do, talk too much about it, or give it too much detail, so if you haven't seen it yet, and you don't want any spoilers, don't watch this video. <laughs> and this part of the podcast, skip on for like three or four minutes. Um, or potentially just listen to it because you know what happens he wins the World Cup he wins leagues with Napoli yeah. it's quite a brilliant story it's not like you're going to spoil the facts that, that no. people already know it's not Game of Thrones here no um, and one of the best films I've ever seen uh, like really? just yeah just because uh, it's about sport so mm. that's a big winner for me and it's about Maradona which is the second big winner for me um, and it goes into the de- it's basically a, a, the story of his time at Napoli from just when he left Barcelona, it starts with what happened at Barcelona, goes to Napoli, and his period at Napoli where he won two league titles, a UEFA Cup, and of course the World Cup, and then how the fallout at Napoli and in Italy, and where his life goes from there towards the end, um, and it's just an unbelievably told story. Like, do you do you like him? After I, it? I do. I well, I'm a, I, I love Maradona because I love excuse me French a shit house. I, I do like and that's why like I was so it was really hard for me to hate Luis Suarez when we played against him because at the end of it was all like I still miss you Luis uh, because he's such a nasty wee shit um, yeah, at the end of it uh, as I came out of it last night I felt sorry for him on one hand and on the other hand I felt like I could punch him because uh, it's a bit in about uh, his son which I'm not going into too much detail I'll let you go and see that and see how you feel but it's a bit about it you just sort of feel like what the hell um, and about how he behaved away from football and what he was at at Napoli it's very interesting that there's a, a, a common theme comes through the whole film where there's two there's a Diego and there's a Maradona which is really interesting like and how everyone says it even himself is it an on the pitch off the pitch thing or you know is there bits of both on bits the pitch of both. There's bits, bits of, of both, both off the pitch. he starts off like he's a, he's a lovely kid and, and what he does for his family and um, and how he becomes this, the footballer and superstar or whatever and when he's 15 Argentinos juniors uh, give him a house for his family he grew up and he uh, in slums uh, in the Villa Fattoria I think I've maybe got that wrong but he grew up in slums in Buenos Aires and I, and I mean it's a really really grim place to live in Buenos Aires but it sort of made him who he was and when he got to 15 he was given this apartment and he moved his whole family in there and it was a real emotional moment in the film yeah. And from then he was the main breadwinner for his family. Like, and can you imagine being the main, main breadwinner for your family when you're 15? Mm. That's already enormous pressure. And there's a clip in it as well where Pele says, he's talking about Maradona, and I think he's gone to Boca Juniors at the time. 
and they're talking about him about Brian Brilliant and Pellisford says yes but psychologically he's not ready for this type of uh, pressure and sort of um, superstar uh, what's the word I'm looking for lifestyle lifestyle and and um, sort of the attention that he's about to get and Pelle is right Pelle sort of just fixing the microphone here lads Pelle sort of nails it he's all like he's not ready for this yet and he's just a young kid and we need to remember this uh, apologies for podcast listeners I'm messing about with the mic that's going to sound awful it is going to sound awful apologies um, and he's, it's true because he wasn't ready for it but it goes in anyway it goes to tail about him at Napoli and oh man, some of the things he could do with that football because of some of the clips I've never seen you know you saw a lot of it in his goals yeah. at Napoli and what he did at the World Cup 86 and then uh, obviously 1990 but there's some of the clips and some of the Napoli games I would not have saw that he, he's just ridiculous ridiculous footballer like just yeah, I find myself smiling at the screen yeah that, that's that is one side of him and what he can yeah. what he could do yeah. with football it's, it's like any sort of genius that you've had like the, the mentions that you get like George Best Pelle and now Messi and Ronaldo like, but Cruyff where do you think he Cruyff's birthday did he what do you think he ranks in amongst those four or five? See, because <clears throat> uh, I, I just saw the film, and then you see more and more how, like, I knew Napoli weren't the big team in Italy, but, and I knew they weren't, like, they were pretty average, maybe even below average, but I didn't know the struggle that the Neapolitans went through and what they faced from the rest of Italy during games and how they were racially abused, like, um, by other fans, Verona fans. Scotland just took the lead, by the way, in a massive game against Argentina. Uh, Verona fans, Juventus fans, they were all racing. And, and how they felt, you know, like the, like the trash, I'll not use the word term that they use because it's a racial term, but the trash of um, Italy. And how he got that team to be in one of the best, if not at the time, the best team in the world, club team in the world. Like they were yeah. an unbelievable team. And Messi or Ronaldo haven't done that. Do you know what I mean? Pele played for Santos and played in Brazil and there's queries over how many goals he actually scored and he's obviously won a ton of World Cups don't get me wrong and then there's Cruyff as well how he changed football I kind of come out of it now watching thinking Diego is the, was the best footballer we've saw because of how he was able to take Napoli on his shoulders took Argentina on his shoulders as well and that wasn't an absolutely outstanding Argentina side mm. and win them a World Cup get them back to a World Cup final do what some people say Messi hasn't Messi hasn't, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Ronaldo's won a European Championships, which he hasn't. Messi hasn't won a. He's won the Olympics, but he hasn't won Cup America. And I don't think he's going to win this one. Um, but there's still that. Then when Ronaldo retires, you look at his all his trophies, and it'll take a while to go through them, and you'll be be like, "Where was the World Cup?" Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's won tons more than Maradona club-wise. Like I mean, pff, absolutely blows him out of the water with that. And don't get me wrong, but. Like, where's, where's the World Cup? And you think about, you know, in his own era, with, with well, George Best, Palais, better than them. Yeah, oh I. Yeah? Oh I, yeah, yeah. Just because of the of what he did at Napoli? It's, it's what he did with Napoli, but it's, it's just, if you go back and look at, if you go back, remember there's a Dan film that follows a Dan in his mm-hmm. last game. If they did one of those, there might be one out there, and they followed Maradona for a game when he's at his peak uh, there wouldn't be a question of who's the best football in the world 
It's interesting, like it's a, it's definitely a topic up for debate. Like his his brain was his best asset as well. Like mm. which which is the case with most most of those guys. Oh, like. they're all geniuses. Like and, and the best in the world is such a a tiresome debate now. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And and Messi and Ronaldo turn out since Messi or Ronaldo's gone to um, Juventus, they're actually quite seem pally. They're always talking about each other in yeah. a nice way. Like do you know what I mean? But um, it's it yeah. I, oh, he talks about how when he left. Spain and goes to Italy and the tempo is much different in Italy and it's much rougher and he gets I mean he gets constantly fouled I don't know how he didn't end up with more broken ankles and he says himself I had to teach myself to change the way I played football change my timings Hmm. so he had to change how he would have soloed one way he had to change it basically the other direction that that, he broke it down that much in his head of how he's going to beat these defenders and he was just Ah, oh, it was just brilliant, like for different leagues. Just for for the, for Serie A, because it was so much rougher than Spain. Yeah. Um, I would recommend these all to go and see it. Like, if you saw Senna and you saw my Amy Winehouse the Amy film by scene director Azif um Kipadia, you you you're coming in to watch a, a masterpiece. Like you're coming in to watch something that's just brilliant from start to finish. Um, this is my favorite one he's done, and I love Senna. Like, it's an unbelievable yeah. film. Um, so yeah, go on, I'd recommend going and seeing it. Like, I don't want to give too much into what goes on because I want you to make your own opinion on yeah. it. I want you to make your own opinion on it. But there are parts of it as well where you're like, you're such a bastard. Yeah, uh, it, it's it, he is an interesting character, obviously because not everybody loves him, like or not everybody even likes him. No, um, but he beat England as well in the World Cup, so uh, that's always good. Good for the the. Uh, Rest of the UK, like viewers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're English, like maybe, maybe, maybe not, not so much. But um, I'm sure they all appreciate how good he was. Does that take any sort of big part in the film, the hand of God, etc.? Oh, et aye, there's a bit where and a journalist talks about this. Is this in the one game you saw exactly who Maradona was? A hero, a cheat, a rebel, and a genius. Hmm. All in the one game. That's true. Like. All in the one game, and that that game is that that game alone sums up Diego Maradona as a footballer and as a person. Because he says himself, football is a game of deceit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant film. So go and see it, folks. Uh, I think it's out in most cinemas from this weekend. It's in the QFT in Belfast at the minute now. So if you get a chance, with well, this Wednesday, it'll be Thursday or Friday. Shoot up and go and see. So the Women's World Cup is just finishing up match day three, mm-hmm. the final round of group games. Um, the teams have already qualified. I think Brazil, uh, I think they're more or less through. There was touch and go whether they're going to go through, but they beat Italy yesterday 1-0. And Marta became the all-time leading goal scorer in a World Cup period. With 17 goals in World Cups. Men and women. Yes, yeah, 17 World Cup goals. That's crazy. Because when Miroslav Klose did it, it was like, nobody's ever going to beat that. Yeah. Because he played in like, what are you playing? Like five World Cups or something? Yep. Ridiculous. And it was like, nobody's ever going to have the opportunity to A, play in that number of World Cups. You know, not that many people are going to do that. And B, be in a position to score that many goals. And you know be playing with a team who have the opportunity to score that many goals mm-hmm. and she's only gone and done it yeah oh, smashed it and still could get more yeah absolutely the brazil have finished um their group's all finished level and so the italy and brazil and i think it is is it maybe australia, australia yeah, is in their australia. group yeah. they've all finished on six points those three teams but uh the top two 
uh, second place teams or third place teams they go through to the knockout stages Brazil will go through um, Brazil yeah it, have, it hasn't been confirmed yet but the other teams can't catch them now yeah, that'll come third and that I think so that's going to be interesting I mean I don't even know who they get because it, it hasn't really been sort of sorted or organised but uh, good luck whoever gets Brazil because it seems to be like they're sort of just taking their time to go through this and everyone was talking about France and America strong favourites and even that Australia team are very good but just for Brazil with Marta and she hasn't won the World Cup before I don't think um, so watch yourself lads because she's coming it looks like you just that um, France have obviously won their group um, even though there was another VAR decision in that game uh, this a couple of VAR decisions actually the first one was the penalty which was a penalty I think I think yeah. everyone was pretty certain about that um, Wendy Renard hit it which was strange um, saying she's a centre half missed it Um and Shot like 30 seconds later the referee blew the whistle again and gave another penalty because the keeper had come off her line by like that and it was given as another, a retaking penalty um, would Nigeria have got that? see that's the argument there's been a it's a bit of a homer decision uh, that's, that's two I think France have got I'm really sorry any French fans that are watching this or anything or whatever I, I don't mean this in the last day but that, that's two home decisions you've got now uh, we don't like to see this in football no and you know yes you know they're the hosts and um, you might get that the odd time but I, I also wouldn't like it to be that they're the favourites and they have the big names etc etc and they want those big names to go through they're all about promoting this women's world club it's the biggest one ever and they want those big players in the knockout stages um, it's not as if French football and corruption has had a quiet time of it this no. week alone Michel Platini, Platini. you mongo stay in jail forever forever yeah not Ass- good asshole not good when um, no. when all those small things are adding up but not that you know France had anything to do with it we obviously don't know that but uh, yeah it was a bit of a strange decision and VAR is being called in the question I, I'm an advocate of it I like it but um, certainly in this Women's World Cup we've seen a couple of instances where it probably hasn't been used to the yeah to the best way it could be um, so France are topping the group it looks like America are going to top their group yeah. they're on the same side of the draw with England who if they win their group which they look like they're going to and they're beating Japan um, they'll all be on the same side of the draw so I mean you want to be on the other side basically no, is I... what I'm saying uh, but it's really interesting it's, it's starting to properly heat up now and now Scotland are winning and a must win game for them they're beating Argentina 1-0 yeah. um, and they have to win that to stand a chance of getting one of those third place teams they might just get squeaked out of it by a point yeah I think it would be it would be good if they won by more than one goal uh, that, I mean that's going to push them into a position where they'll be more than likely the one of the best third place uh, teams but I mean there's still uh, another two groups to play I think after after tonight mm-hmm. um, you have group A and F and there's some you know some very good teams in there New Zealand if they win and they beat England before the World Cup even started in a friendly um, they could be in third place in their group and finish um, depending on on how that result goes so and they're playing Cameroon who are the weakest team in that group so there's a lot of things still happening but it's interesting and it's certainly like I'll admit it's it's the it's the first women's tournament that I've properly got into 
and I think it's the case for a lot of people. Yeah, why? Certainly in the media and on a wider scale on, on Twitter, etc. And these people who, who are still coming out um, and saying that, you know, it's not a real sport, etc., etc. all the stupid things that you get are thankfully now in the minority, uh, which is good to see. And, and there's a lot more people sticking up for women's football. Which is, it's uh, been brilliant. Like it's been, yeah. it's class to have it on as well. Yeah. Um. Every game live on the BBC. Yeah, it's brilliant. Ah, BBC have been brilliant for it. Like. Yeah. You'd hope like that both the Irish teams could get to it soon. Mm-hmm. For us, for over here, like and people get behind it, and the be- like one of the best things is when Holland play, and they're fans. Like and they all march towards the games beforehand, and like there's thousands of them, and and like a, a friend of mine was watching it, shout out to Kieran Rice, uh, the other day, and he thought the actual seats were orange. Because nobody had moved, the next thing I think Colin scored and everything erupted or something. He's like, "What? I didn't realize there's so many there." Yeah. And it just exploded, and it's been brilliant. Like it's been a really, really good World Cup. And as you said, we're talking earlier about the VAR decisions, you don't want it to be remembered as well. No. As something going wrong, you want it to be remembered for just pure football reasons and mm-hmm. and brilliant football as well. And I actually think there's there's maybe four third place teams can get into it because there's six groups. I I got I was getting Cup of America mixed up in mm-hmm. my head. There's six groups. So two, first and second go three, which make twelve, and then another four teams go three to make it the last sixteen. So Scotland have a massive chance. Yeah. And um, with that goal, that that one nil up, hopefully they can maintain that because they've been brilliant. Yeah. Oh, as well I, as Scotland, like, and um, you'd like, I'd like to see them go through. It's the first time they get to the knockout stages as well. So I think the thing about Scotland is that they finish games better than they start games. Oh. Aye. So they're really unlucky against England. Yeah. And yeah. Japan, they, they yeah, created yeah. a couple of chances. So. Being one a lot already against Argentina is good for them because they seem to develop into games and having a strong start, scoring in the first half. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, uh, they'll go through with England because obviously they're the, um. Oh, England air scored. Uh, they're the they're the players that we recognise from the yeah. WSL. So, yeah. um. You'd hope this would be a kick on for WSL as well and. We talked about it last year in some of the shows where like Atletico Madrid and Barcelona were playing in front of. Hundreds, not hundreds, 80, 60, 60 70,000. Yeah. Uh, you've had the sold out, um, their stadium as well, 45,000 in, in debt. You'd like next year, I'd love Liverpool to sort themselves out. I know they've been doing some signings uh, and get one, some of their games at Anfield, get it packed, you know, really buy into it. Manchester United now have, have supported over the last two years an actual women's team, and now they're, I think they're into the WSL now. Yeah, they got promoted so, in their first season. So, Oof, England need to score again. That's going to be really interesting to see how they go because obviously it's Manchester United. So it's it's really starting to explode and progress women's football. And uh, I know we're both excited like to see how it goes and, and what happens with it. And For people who love sport, it's a no-brainer. Oh, it's brilliant. Like, and You want to watch all the sport you can, tune in. Like, yeah, it's brilliant. Like. Football on BBC in the start of the summer again and it's a World Cup. Like, yeah. What else would you want? Exactly. Um, so that's going into the latter stages now of that and it'd be interesting I still think France um, as I said Brazil as well Marta and America are the three teams you want to avoid in the knockout stages and I think the winner will, uh, will, this is not like a genius moment here the winner will come from one of those three I don't think anyone else will really England I mean if they beat Japan here that's no mean feat and they'll be in nine points they'll have won the group won all their games exactly but there's the, I still think those all three sides are a bit better yeah it'd be good to see that's what England obviously want to do is test themselves against the best so yeah. um, that'll be interesting for them and Phil Neville's doing a good job very much so 
So yeah, that Women's World Cup is still ongoing. You get it all on BBC. Um, if, if you're looking for it, because I know a friend of mine couldn't find it the other night, and he texted me, where was it? it? It's on BBC4 sometimes, or just go on to the BBC Sport website. You'll get it, or BBC iPlayer on your TV. Bang. There, click and weep. So, transfer window is off and running. It's still a bit of a slow burner. Yeah. Unless you live in Madrid. Both Madrids. Um, or Dortmund. Or Dortmund. Mats Hummel's going back to Borussia Dortmund. Hopefully they don't decide to get the gang back together and go and get Jurgen Norbert Klopp. I'm going to have to move to Dortmund and I don't really want to do that right now. Um, yeah, Hummels has gone back. Bayern Munich get Matt Hummels in. Plays a couple of seasons. Wins a couple of Bundesliga. Wins, um, also wins the World Cup. I think he'd just gone to... Um, oh, he was still at Dortmund but he'd won the World Cup then went to Bayern Munich. Wins a couple, wins a couple of leagues. Does quite well. Establishes himself even more as one of the best defenders in the world. Goes back to Dortmund and Bayern Munich make money on him? Sorry? What kind of gangsters are Bayern Munich? Pretty pretty good financial Absol- ones. Absolute gangsters. What age is he now? Uh, is he 30, 31? He's, he's, he's going to the wrong side of 30. But. I'm 31 in about six weeks, Brendan. What are you trying to say? In terms of a professional Five footballer. weeks? Um, yeah, it's it, like, that is. like a, I, I'm glad he's gone back. I hope Dortmund kick on again next year and win the title and beat Bayern Munich. But, um, Certainly they've the, um, sat out their stall. The I hope they hold on to Jaden Sancho as well, like because he's mm. developing really well there. Um, but yeah, that was one signing today, which is mad. Yeah, as uh, Mendy was announced. Um, Yet uh, another daily Real Madrid signing. Uh, like, stop it, Real Madrid! Right, that's enough out of you, uh, Florentino. Get, calm yourself. Um, they haven't even started selling players yet. I think that will be, that uh, will be it. With Real Madrid. Ah, there's going to be a mad fire sale now. I certainly hope so. Like, Aye. Um, yes. Because. Yes. I don't want them to come back for anyone. <laughs> nah. You come anywhere near San or Mane and Salah. I'm telling you, Florentino. Um, but that's wild. Wild what they've done. We'll talk about it enough on this. They're saying, they're, I don't even know who else they've signed now. I keep forgetting someone. Yeah. Uh, other side of Madrid, Jao Felix. Looks like he's going from Benfica. £107 million pounds for Jao Felix. To Atletico Madrid. Mm. Feels like you're getting huge money for a French forward in return from someone. Who though? Nobody knows because Neymar saga is rolling on now. Uh, Bart looks like Barcelona are going to get him back. Messi wants his mate back. Um, instead of Griezmann. Instead of Griezmann. Um, I love Griezmann, so it wouldn't be for me. Like. Yeah, I just think Messi's wrong there. Uh, he's not wrong an awful lot, certainly on the pitch. Unless he's an Anfield. Um, Thank you. Unless he's an Anfield, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you'd have Griezmann every time over Neymar. Certainly I would at the minute. The way Neymar's career is appearing to be going... Just downhill. Could be. Look at wrong. It could be. It goes back to Barcelona. Uh, look, Luis Suarez looks like he's um, getting on a bit, and it's Dembele, Neymar, and Messi, and uh, Messi back at Barcelona. Maybe like we talked about Maradona earlier on one of our earlier videos. You see the way Neymar's going and the fame and stuff that's going on outside of football. Maybe back at Barcelona and them sort of telling him, "You better calm yourself down, down, down here, or we're going to let you go." Because when they took Suarez from Liverpool, he's only after trying to eat uh, Chiellini at the World Cup. Yeah. And he was literally a, a breaking point. And they just said to him, look, you're here at Barcelona now. Calm yourself where we are going. Yeah. And he hasn't really been in that much trouble. 
Yeah, in terms of Luis Suarez, like yeah, he hasn't he hasn't bit anyone like uh, he hasn't done anything major. He's red been, cards, like but yeah, it's been a normal mad South American. Yeah. Um. So yeah, maybe it's a case of that, and he does find his form again when he was at Barcelona with Neymar, Messi, and Suarez when they were absolutely blittering everyone. Who knows? It's a strange situation the Neymar one because I'm not really a huge fan. I don't really know yeah. what's going on, but the Babel don't like Neymar. Nah. Um. Put Pogba. Uh, told Manchester United at the start of the week I think I fancy a new challenge yeah Pogba's a weird one um, because if you just watch the games some of the games that United played last season you really get frustrated with him uh, if you're a United fan because like there's so much potential and it, it just looks all the time like he's not fulfilling his potential mm. but yet he was United's best player last year. Like, he just was. Like, there, there's no... Like, we sent out a tweet recently. Most assists, thir- second in goals, most four passes. Most uh, through balls. Most through balls. Most take-ons. Yeah. He, certainly, in, like, in stats, uh, and some of those stats, I mean, yes, people say, oh, stats isn't everything, but some of those stats are hard to ignore. Um, well, assists and second in goals, like. Yeah. From midfield, mm-hmm. and you know, people say, "Right, get rid of him. I want him gone." Like he, he doesn't, he's not committed to the club. And I understand that point of view. But United are in a very dangerous place where they're not in the Champions League. They've got an inexperienced manager. They don't look like they're going to come anywhere near winning the Premier League in the next five years. Would you say three years? Certainly. Mm. Um. And. It looks grim because the, the the signing they've got this year, and no disrespect, is Daniel James, who, when you look across at Madrid, doesn't compare to what they're doing. Yeah. And Manchester United see themselves, certainly their fans do, on a level with Real Madrid, mm-hmm. probably as the, as the two biggest clubs in the world. Mm-hmm. So losing Paul Pogba, in my eyes, is not the right thing to do. No, it's... It's not only the fact that I, I, I get it, United fans aren't happy with Pogba and they want them gone and they think he hasn't done enough, but uh, the rest of the football world and certainly a lot of players, they rate him as Paul Pogba, one of the best midfielders in the world. And there's a, a drawing power. Uh, there's a, it's all well and good to say you want to go and play for the shirt, and don't get me wrong, and I like to say that for Liverpool, but I'm not a, a complete fool. Not every player in the world gives a toss about what badge is on the shirt. Yeah. They care about what money they're going to get and who they're going to play with and if they have a chance of winning silverware. And if you have Paul Pogba, you have a chance of winning silverware. Um, but at, then there's that sort of situation as well. If he doesn't want to be here, do you want to keep him? You now have to be really careful. If they are going to get rid of him, I think you have to have someone lined up at a world level that is going to come in and, and who they're going to get now because they're in the Europa League next year. Exactly. Is really, they're, at, they're at that place Liverpool were a couple of years ago and they really need to get this right or they'll slip behind and the only thing that saved Liverpool was the fact that um, the likes of Man City and Arsenal well, Arsenal hadn't really got themselves together because they were going through a phase with the new stadium and, and um, they didn't have they weren't buying players Spurs have come along now and you'd, you'd like to think Spurs I know people say oh it's a new stadium they can't spend Spurs are going to start to spend because there's more money in football now. Well, they didn't spend anything in the last two years. Yeah, well, exactly. 18 months. And you'd like to think they got their European Cup final, Champions League final, they're going to want to progress on that. Yeah. 
They've got Pochettino as well, so it's drawing power for that. Um, I know Chelsea can't buy anyone, but Chelsea are back in the Champions League. You know, see what's going on there. Man City are getting bigger, and now Liverpool can spend. Do you know what I mean? So there's more teams in front of Manchester United. Wolves can spend. Everton are spending. Um, Leicester have won the league, obviously. They have Brendan Rodgers. They have an up-and-coming side. It's getting a lot tougher for Manchester United, and they yeah. need to really nail this, or they could be in big, big trouble. Yeah. And the United fans are going to look at me and say, oh, Liverpool fans saying that, you'd love that. And... Yeah, obviously we're rivals, like, but, yeah, but as a football fan and talking to you as a United fan who's watching this and this, I, I sympathise for you because I know what it feels like to be in that situation where yeah. you think everyone's slipping away on you. If what we're talking from a completely neutral point of view or trying to as best as we can and, you know, taking the bass out of it, it it's hard to see good good things at United at the minute and that's just what, I mean, Juan Mata's extended his contract today. I would say that's a good thing. Um, he's a good... Uh, person to have around the club he may not be the player he was and he may not play as much as he he has done in the past but he's a good head to have around the change room and apparently the news is that they want him to eventually be a, you know continue on the club in an ambassador role fair enough similar to what Chelsea are doing with Petr Cech bringing him back in knows the club good head on his shoulders knows the people at Chelsea that's the idea good appointment for Man United if that's what they're going to do with Juan Mata but right now, the here and now, the players that they need is a lot. And this nonsense, of, uh, I'm sorry, but Steve Walsh today being tipped, they're going to go and get Steve Walsh to come in and be their transfer guru. Like, no, Manchester United. Start behaving like Manchester United. That's, if I was an United fan, that's what I'd be saying. Start behaving. Like, their fans tell you all over the place and, like they're the biggest club in the world. They brand themselves as the biggest club in the world. Start behaving like it. Yeah. Because at the minute they're behaving like fools. Maybe the biggest thing Manchester United could do this year is literally get rid of, um, what do you call him? The chart, what do you call Woodward. him? Woodward. Probably be the biggest. United fans, tweet into us, messages, emails, let us know what you think. Like, What do you want? Or What do you not want at your club? Or who what, do you not want? Who do you not want and who do you want? Because, you know, looking across at mainland Europe and looking at Madrid is... Is just a completely different world. Juventus as well. Like I, I laugh at times when people are saying about Ramsey going. I think it was David Seaman saying going to a small team like Juventus. Juventus aren't a small team. They're a huge team, and they're going to get bigger. They've Sarri now. They have one of the best players to ever play the game, Ronaldo. He's going to want some new teammates as well. Juventus is going to be able to do that. One of them could be Paul Pogba. You could be absolutely blown out of the water here. Man City. Oh, we'll just add Cancelo and Rodri. Liverpool are European champions, haven't started buying yet. Don't know if they're going to, but they're still a better team at the minute than Manchester United. You're in big trouble. Like They need to get it. So I'd be, if I was an United fan, I'd be, I'd no hair. Yeah, I'd be worried. I'd be really, really worried. Um, But, Brenton, what do you want at Chelsea? Is he quite handsome, married to Christine Blakely and was on an unbelievable mid- midfielder? How did you know? Ah, I just had a funny <laughs> feeling. <laughs> um, yes. I mean... Yes, it's the, it's the romantic appointment. It's the appointment that Chelsea fans want in their hearts. But also, you know, I think it's a, it's a practical appointment, which, which is a point that I, don't, I know you, you actually may not agree with it and, and a couple of other people that have seen. Fair enough. It is a risk. But Chelsea are in, a, in this period now where the Cantine players, they have a truckload of loan players and youth players and 
if anybody knows those players, it's Frank Lampard and Jody Morris. Especially and, Jody Morris. Especially Jody Morris. And Lampard has talked this season at Derby about how you know important his background staff have been. Him, you know, Jody Morris especially, and and Shea Gavin, etc. Um, helping out with these players, these young players, these players that have come on loan. Um, I think I said before to you that Tamori on loan from Chelsea won Derby's Player of the Year. It's the first time they've had a loan player win Player of the Year. So these are all good signs. The other thing is, is that who else do you get? Who else is going to come into that club where it's a club that's so used to spending money and getting results? And yes, you know, you may have a high turnover of managers, but there's trophies coming constantly there mm. because there's always been investment. Now that that's probably looks like it's going to stop. For a year anyway. For a year. There's a there's not a lot of managers at that level of, of sort of elite clubs who who are, are going to be happy to come in and no. work with that group of players. That's why I think it, it all points to, to Frank Lampard. It could be a, a case of all along, and I've been one of them advocates as well to say like, what are Chelsea doing with that academy? Why are they bringing through so many good players and not using them? And a cruel, if you want to put it away, twist or hand of fate, or whatever twist of fate, hand of fate, has now put them in a position where they have to turn to that academy. Mm. Uh, cruel's probably the wrong way because it could be such a massive thing. Which this could be a real moment for Chelsea, where this academy of Chelsea gets so much chat about the good players they bring through, but because they don't end up playing for Chelsea, it's not seen as. Uh, what happened at Carrington with United in class of 92 or, I don't think that was Carrington that might have been uh, what you call the cliff um, Ajax Barcelona's La Masia um, do you know that's not talked about because they don't come through and they don't build a backbone at Chelsea Yeah. whereas now there's, for a year anyway it looks like there's no choice there's no choice and, and like, the thing is that Tamori at the back the players are there the midfield Tommy Abraham's you laugh all you want with Tommy Abrams, but I think he's a very good player. Like, yeah, he's, he's a goal scorer from. anywhere he's ever been. You know, if you look at that club at the minute, um, yes, the goalkeeper, the, the, the bottom in, but there's a mix of, of youth and experience throughout that side that Christensen. could work yeah. so well. Christensen coming through the, the youth system. Tamori, as you say, Ampadu can Ampadu, play centre yeah. half. Um, then you've the experience of David Luiz in there to help Aspilicueta, Rudiger. That's Can't a they, solid backline. Yeah. Um, can't do Jorginho love to shake hopefully when he comes back halfway through the season or something Mason Mount Mason Mount Hudson Adoy um, Tommy Abraham Pulisic coming in you know it's not uh, as bleak as, as some no. people like to make no, out no 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 it's definitely not if you know two or three of those players are, are, are going to work um, if Chelsea if, if Chelsea get Frank Lampard in and Frank Lampard gets Champions League football again it's an amazing result I think yeah and Chelsea will be happy, very happy with that. The board of Chelsea will be happy. It looks like Chelsea have got five million from Juventus um, for Sarri, um, and Derby want four million uh, to release Frank Lampard. So again, you know, it's good business from the Chelsea board. They they call Marina the Ice Queen because she just is so she's just so stern. But I mean, the business that she's done in the last while mm-hmm. has been really impressive. It's, one of the big things that I would like to see Lampard do is, is properly sort out a system in midfield for Chante and Jorginho um, and, and a third, whoever this third's going to be. Well, he, he was quite good at midfield himself. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's why. Mm. Um, 
you would like to think that he, he has an idea um, about what's going to happen there. Especially Jorginho because he was he was Sarri's boy and he has, you know, I think he's come out and said that he was sad to see him go, etc. Um, Emerson as well has come out and said that too. Um, he was touted to be one of the players that Sarri was maybe looking to bring with him, but he's come and said he's happy at, at Chelsea. Um, but yeah, the, the Jorginho Kante situation. Um, Could it be that the Jorginho Kante situation is sorted by Jorginho being solely Juventus? Possibly. Possibly. Would you be happy or would you be like, no, I wanted him to stay? No, I want him to stay. I really I, like Jorginho. I'd come out and say I want him to stay, definitely. Um, I think he's a, he's a player you don't see, a type of player you don't see a lot of in the Premier League. Hmm. Uh, you're more likely to see in, in Serie A or La Liga. Um, but I think, as I said, you know, in some of our shows towards the end of the season, he was coming good and he was starting to get used to uh, that pace, the Premier League pace. You know, Cesc Fabregas played with Kante and he never had pace or speed <laughs> and he, he cupped all right. He did all right, eh? Um, so hopefully hopefully, there's something there. It's I, an I interesting mean, I, time for Chelsea because... It, it's exciting like, too. As a as a non-Chelsea fan, like, um, before I met you... Um, when Chelsea first, not burst on the scene, but when Abramovich, Chelsea, burst on the scene, everyone was a bit jealous, like the way everyone is sort of what Man City can do, because you're like, that's sake, like, you know, they can just buy whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And they never really were known for bringing, as I said, bringing these players through, and, and like, they weren't giving them chances at, at Chelsea. And now, literally, for a year, I think this is a really, really interesting time to watch Chelsea and to see what happens, because... As I said, this could be, and I know this isn't romanticising about this could be era defining. Yeah. You can't buy anyone, so you have to use what you've got. Frank Lampard could come in. That's still a, a risk and a gamble for me because I don't think he was amazing at Derby. But as you said, who else is going to come and do it? These young players that are going to get their chance to play, not only for Chelsea in the Premier League, but also the Champions League. Chelsea have no choice. So it could be really, it could be massive. Mm-hmm. It could be a moment where everyone's like, Flip, do you remember that happened? And that's where that kicked that off. Chelsea so yeah it's interesting to say if he comes in and we'll chat about what your expectations from I know you said beforehand if he gets Champions League football again that would be massive that would be absolutely huge yeah because how competitive the top six seven eight in the Premier League is going to be next season um and your first game obviously is Manchester United away so whoever comes in and manages <laughs> nice little uh Kurt Zuma as well I knew I forgot another Kurt player Zuma. Kurt Zuma. Zuma's back yeah, yeah. I mean, at once CT looked like an absolute monster. Yeah, he's had a decent season at Everton. Yeah. Um. So interesting times for Chelsea. Just wanted to ask you one more thing. There's a, a lot of uh, Twitter movements going around, and it's pure madness um, of Kylian Mbappe and Liverpool, which is absolute scenes uh, in my head. Brent, how do you feel if Liverpool purchased Kylian Mbappe? <laughs> That would feel a little something like that. Podcasters, you get up and walked off. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'd weep. I would weep as well, but that, in a very different way. Tears of joy for Filippo. Like. I mean, that would be absolutely crazy. And Madness. Just, like, uh, if you were him, you know, why wouldn't you, sort of thing? Uh, it's weird, like. Yeah. It is that. That's I a can weird see it happening, thing. which is really giving me heart hear palpitations. And like even say, club wanted to sign him when he's at Monaco, and it's such a weird thing that oh, Liverpool are linked with Kylian Mbappe. It's not a mad thing. It's not like a, pff, a good one, but it's like oh, hang on, no, 
Yeah, it's realistic. It's realistic. It it's actually more, is realistic. Yeah. Um, of course, if, if he was linked with Man City, he'd be like, well, he's going to sign in the morning. That's going to done. Definitely more than that. But the fact he's linked with Liverpool, you're like, okay, yep, they're actually... Could there be truth in that? Could You could see that happening. You've just said you could see it happening. It's a mad thing to even hear someone saying because he is... Looks like the heir to the throne of... Yeah. Uh, the reason Ballon for this is, uh, just to give a bit of context, he said a couple of things in interviews. He did a vlog where he's in LA and he's with LeBron James and LeBron's wearing, of course, his Liverpool hat. Thank you, LBJ, the GOAT. Um, and yeah, his, all the Liverpool fans are mad. They pulled up his first celebration, does a storage, storage dance when he's at Monaco and all this mad. And if you pitch it all together, you're like, this is complete lunacy. But um, he said something that I haven't been able to listen to it yet. I've, Possibly about Liverpool, so um, I'm going to go watch that on loop if it's something good. It'd be mad. I, I think that would I think that would annoy quite a few <laughs> uh, blue Scousers, blue uh, Mancunians, and red Mancunians. Yeah. Is that where to happen? Um, so and blue Londoners and red Londoners yeah, and white Londoners. Just annoy everyone. Yeah. That should be even better. Um, but I think that's all, that, that's us for this week's podcast. Um, folks, as ever, thanks for listening. We'll try and do a few more things. Towards uh, during the weekend and towards the end of the weekend because the Women's World Cup's kicking on to the knockout stages. We didn't really talk about the Copa America because um, if I'm honest, I've been watching some of it and I haven't really been that impressed. Uh, it is. It has been crap. The tendencies have been crap and there's a couple of reasons why. Go and research it and read it. I'm not smart enough to tell you, but it's basically what's been going on with Brazil politics-wise. Um, so I haven't really been covering it, but get on the Women's World Cup. The final group games are happening tonight and tomorrow. Then it's the knockout stages and it's going to get even better. Uh, more transfers will be happening. Hopefully before the end of the weekend we'll be able to talk about new Chelsea manager and different signings. So yeah, and as always, go on our YouTube channel at The Sports Babble. Like and subscribe and turn on your notifications. Do the same for our Facebook at The Sports Babble and our Twitter at The Sports Babble. Uh, and you'll get our podcast on all your podcast apps now. Apple Music, um, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, they're all on there. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for your questions and your tweets or whatever and getting involved in some of the things during the week. And if you have any questions, hit us up at sportsbabble at gmail at all of our social media sites at the Sports Bubble. Cheers, folks. See you next week. Good luck. <laughs>